Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. says, is there not an appointed time? So on God's calendar, there are appointed times in which God does something special. Every week, Friday night at sundown is an appointed time. It's a time that God prepares the blessings that he has for you this whole next week. And so when we stop and we welcome in the Sabbath, we are welcoming in God's blessing for the entire week. But tonight is something special because it's Shabbat. It's the Sabbath during Passover. And Passover is a very special time. Tonight is the night that we celebrate the greatest sacrifice of love and mercy that man can know when Jesus Christ died for our sin. Now, at appointed times, there are certain rules that you can and cannot do. During the appointed time on Sabbath, but especially on the Sabbath of Passover, you are not allowed to say anything negative. You can only speak positive things. And so turn to your four or five neighbors and say to them, you're better looking than I thought. girls you may be seated the Lord bless you now one of the things that we do on the Sabbath every time is the ladies are to light the candles and I know most of you know this but we have people joining us from around the world some of you may be new to this but on the Sabbath, and the Sabbath begins Friday night to Saturday night. And when we light the candles, now let me do something that isn't quite kosher. The first thing you do before you welcome in God's blessing for this week, every time God, if you can grab a hold of this, it will change your life. Every time God is getting ready to bless you, he first gives you a chance to be a blessing. And so the way you close out the week to prepare for God's blessing this week is you, these are called stetkah boxes. Stetkah, one of the words in Hebrew for righteousness. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. God is what, what is your will for my life? And his righteousness look for a chance to be a blessing. Now, in our home, in many of your homes, before we light the candles, we would put something in the stetka. When we give on the Sabbath, if we, when we give, like in the church, we give on the Sabbath, that money is not allowed to stay here. So when you give, and we're, instead of doing it now, we're gonna do it because we're, it's almost time to light the candles. We're going to ask you to give on your way out or put your offering in the Stedka boxes. And I want you to think about this. This Sabbath offering goes to bless Israel. 
It goes to house our orphanages. It goes to our feeding programs of children. It goes to helping Holocaust survivors. I don't know if you've seen in Israel all the bombs that are coming into Israel right now. We're building bomb shelters right now for people who, Jews or Palestinians or Christians, we're, help, we're partnering with Israel to build bomb shelters in these very areas. So I want you to realize that when you give anytime, God gives back. But when you give on the Sabbath, you're giving to save lives. And don't you know God honors that? Amen. There comes a time that maybe you need God to move for you. When we give, it's being put in, Tiz says it so well, it's being put in God's bank. This is what he means when he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There came a time that we needed a miracle online. We needed a miracle on Tiz. And thank goodness we were taught, as you have been taught, to save people's lives. And when we save lives, guess what? He comes in and saves ours. Amen. So ladies, if you would stand, a married woman lights two candles. And what you're saying is, as a woman, as a woman of valor, and that's what you read on the Sabbath, a woman of valor. And what you're saying is, I'm standing as a woman in my home and my family that no matter how dark it gets out there, in our home and in our family, the light of God will shine. A single woman, as Katie is, and we're believing that she won't be single after this year, and we're taking applications, <laughs> she lights the candle and saying, I will be a righteous woman waiting for my berchet, which means the other half. In other words, we're not whole without our mate. And so um, it, it will like this. If you have a daughter or if you're single, if you have a daughter, granddaughter, someone you love that needs to be uh, uh, linked up with the, the man that God would have for them. And we don't want just any man. We want a man that serves God. We want a man that can pay the bills. And we want a man that will never leave us and never forsake us. Right, ladies? Amen. So uh, as Ann and Katie light the candles, and then if you know it in Hebrew, we'll say it together. Or the ladies will say it together. And, and if a man's by himself, he can also do this. Signalize bringing the light of God into your home, your family, your future. Adonai Eloheinu Melech Aholam Asher Kitsano Bumitzotav Vitzuveinu Ner Sher Shabbat. Father, we welcome in the Sabbath blessing into our week and we give you praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering for the Sabbath blessing. Amen. Now, I want to ask you if you have your Bibles to open them up to the book of Matthew. And thank you, Aunt, uh, Danton. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 27. And I'm going to start reading from verse 26. And we're going to do a combination of things. Instead of just doing uh, the Lord's Supper together, the Passover meal together, um, the Sabbath meal together, this is a day that we remember the amazing sacrifice that Jesus gave when he surrendered his life. You know, the question is, who killed Jesus? And the reality of it is, no one killed Jesus. He gave his life. For he loves us so much 
that he gave his life. He surrendered his life. So I want to look at just the last few moments of the days, uh, the day that Jesus gave his life. Verse 26, then he released uh, Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into uh, Prectonium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe upon him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they spat on him. And they took the reed and struck him on the head. Then when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man, a Syrian, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Now, most of you know this story, but if you watch Jesus after they scourged him, and we're going to go over this in detail uh, this Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus was so beaten and so crippled up in his body that they say even his organs were exposed. And yet he has to get to Calvary. And halfway along the Via Dolorosa, the road of suffering that Jesus walked to shed his blood, he couldn't make it any longer. And say, so call the man in, and there's a black man. And I, and I love emphasizing this. I've been emphasizing this for years. Here's a black man, and here's a Jew carrying the cross together. And what a great sign of defeating racial prejudice and saying, we are all in this together. Amen? Isn't that an amazing thing? And yet Jesus had to get to Calvary. Read on. And then they... Um, Verse 33, and when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now, let me just stop there because last week we talked about the crown of thorns that were pierced in Jesus' brow. We know that Adam and Eve uh, were cursed with the sweat of their brow, but we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus' brow. And scholars will tell you that the reason why they cast lots for Jesus' garments and they cast lots for his tallit, his his prayer shawl is because it was a fine fine material it was very 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 expensive and so it's kind of a sign that we need to use to defeat the teaching in the church that jesus was poor and so we need to be poor our god's not a poor god our god owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that's just a false teaching. You know what? There's two things that a cult does. A cult makes you afraid, and a cult keeps you poor. And that's what the church did for many years is we, they would keep us afraid, 
and they would keep us poor, therefore they could control us. But I declare in these last days, there's going to be a great end time transfer of wealth and the church is going to be the lender, not the borrower, and you're the church, amen? So it's just a side note to let you know, this is what, if Jesus was wearing rags, they wouldn't have gambled, they wouldn't have cast lots for it. But he was wearing fine things. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, they, they said, Master, send, send them away that they can eat. And Jesus said, you feed them. And what was the disciples' response? Should we buy them lunch? Now, I've got a few dollars in my pocket, but I don't have enough to buy 5,000 men plus women and children lunch. Oh, I need a better amen than that. Now, I had one guy tell me, well, they didn't want to embarrass the rabbis, so they all took little bit pieces. Oh, I'm full. Of the little boy's lunch. He had some loaves and fishes. A little boy. Now, I've been in church a long time. We've had a lot of potlucks. I ain't never seen anybody go, oh, oh. especially if you got a boy's home. They're in there. You better get in there before the boy's home guns in because it's all gone. Plus, you can't get 15,000 pinches out of a couple fish. God wants to open the windows of heaven over you. And this year, this week, be, bring financial blessing to your home and your family and your job. I need an amen on that. Amen. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, verse 37, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left, and those who passed by blasphemed him, Jesus, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it up in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Now, how many know that he could have? The Bible says that he could have called with one word, a legion of angels and said, this is it. They want to mock me. They want to laugh at me. They spit on me. This is it. He could have come down. He could have just popped those nails out and said, I'm finished. Now, I heard a guy the other day teaching that says Jesus wasn't nailed to the cross because it never says he was nailed to the cross in the Gospels. And that's true. Nowhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John does it say they nailed him. But in John, when Jesus rose again and doubting Thomas and them were there, he showed them the nail prints. He showed them the nail prints. And we're going to talk about that because that's important that we understand why Jesus was nailed to the cross. Let's read on. Verse 41, likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and the elders said, he saved, him, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. If Jesus would have come down at that moment, they would have believed him. But that's not why he was here. 
he wasn't here to convince them he's the son of God. He's here to die for my sin and your sin as the son of God. Amen? He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. See, the reason why a handful of corrupt Jews talked the Roman Empire into crucifying Jesus is because people followed him and acknowledged him as the Son of God. We'll talk about this on Sunday. As they're waiting for the Passover lamb to come in, Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, right? He rides in on a, just like the prophet said. And the Bible says they were waiting for a lamb. Here comes Jesus, and they see the lamb, and they shouted out, Hosanna, our lamb. Amen. And that's the key to this. It's not, is Jesus the son of God? Yes, he is. Do you believe he's the son of God? Yes, you do. But is he your savior? Amen. Is he your Messiah? Because it doesn't matter what your mom does, what your dad does, what your brother does, what your neighbor does. The issue is, who do you say that he is? Amen? Now look at this. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, with a loud voice. And this would have been about three o'clock in the afternoon, the exact same moment that on the temple mound, they were crucifying the Passover lamb. And Jesus cried out. Now listen to this. And, and I know this throws people, and I actually restudied it today. Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, what I want you to see here is it's okay if you, you, you use this as a tradition, but I want you to understand that the way the church translates this is not the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And if you read the scriptures and, and go into detail, it says they didn't understand what he was saying. And they said, is he calling out for Elijah? And the reason why is, one, Jesus was speaking Western Aramaic, which is what we call ancient Hebrew, and Jesus was from another region. And so the words that we have in this, even in the Greek translation of Eli, 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 Eli means my God, my God. Lama, Lama means why? You know, if, if somebody says to so you, you go, Lama, lo, why, why not? Why not? But the next words don't even exist that we have written here don't even exist in the original language. And so not knowing what he said, or maybe on purpose, we translate it, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I, I'm not going to get into it, and I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures. But when Jesus was talking, and I love this, I love this. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he told them, I'm going to die. And they said, no, Lord, you're, you're not going to die. And he said, there'll come a time when you'll forsake me. And they said, no, we'll never forsake you. He said, but I, and listen to what he said, but I won't be alone 
because my father will never forsake me. Right? See, our tradition. So when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, the Western Aramaic says, my God, my God, this is why you have spared me. Or this is why you have kept me. That's literally what the words mean. Jesus, how, how would Jesus, number one, Jesus said, Jesus laid the foundation out. And I can show you the scripture you want to. He said, you may forsake me, but my father will never forsake me. And then he says to us, you may forsake me, but I will never forsake you. It would be plus if Jesus would have said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Th- those, corrupt, those corrupt leaders would have gone, I told you he wasn't the son of God. I told you the father's not with him. I told you he was a sinner. They would have gloated. They would have said, we love this. But that's not what he said. He said, my God, my God, this is why I'm alive. This is the reason I'm here. This is why you have kept me. This is why you have given me strength to go through all this. I'm about to take the sin of the world and cast it into hell and give people everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? It, 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 wouldn't, it doesn't even make sense to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said, At all along, he said, this is why I came. He's praying in the garden. He said, Father, if there be some other way, let this cup pass, but not my will. And he sweat blood because he knew. It it doesn't even make sense that it caught him by surprise because that's not what he said. And you know, when I think about this, when you're going through a trial and you can say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, this is why you're giving me supernatural strength because I have a mission and my mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Say this, Eli, 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 Lama, Lama, Sabachthani. This is when you're going through a trial, you know that God is going to keep you. It's a, it's a saying, it's a saying in the Middle East, especially in Jesus' time, where they would say this. Why, why have you, Lord, what's my purpose? Others have died and you kept me alive. Others have failed. You kept my business going. Why? Oh, I know why I have a purpose. And I declare to us, when the enemy comes against you, you need to cry out, I have a purpose, and this is why God has kept me going until this time. Amen? What a great, what a great God we serve. Look at verse 47. And some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and they gave it to him to drink the rest said let him alone let's see if elijah will come and save him they 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 had eyes but they couldn't see they had ears but they couldn't hear they missed it they totally missed it let us come and see if Elijah will help him. Jesus, when he had cried out, again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. 
And I believe, you know, and, and, and I looked at this. I said, should I read this from Matthew? Should I read it from Mark? Should I read it from Luke? And everyone has a little bit of different saying. But I love when it says, Jesus said with a loud voice. See, I don't believe Jesus said with defeat. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe he said with a loud voice, my God, my God, this is why you have kept me. This is why you have given me strength. And he said with a loud voice, not of defeat, not of, of, of Satan winning, but he said with a loud voice, it is finished. And Satan was defeated. Now look what happened next. And I love that he said, he said with a loud voice, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, from God to us. The veil is the Holy of Holies. And up until that point, only once a year could one man go into the Holy of Holies to ask God to release the power of God and the blessing of God and the miracles of God. But on this day, that which separated us from God's power was ripped from heaven down to earth. And this is why we go boldly before the throne of God. This is why Jesus, when they came to him and said, Rabbi, teach us how to pray. It's a very Jewish thing that you're to go to your pastor or you're to go to your rabbi and say, how do you pray? Tell us how you pray. And Jesus said, you want me to tell you how to pray? Yes, tell us how to pray. He said, all right, are you paying attention? Yes, I'm paying attention. When you pray, say, Father. That's what this is all about, where we go boldly before the throne of God. You got it? When you pray, say, Father. All right, go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, stop right there. Jesus is our Lord and Savior without a shadow of a doubt. But when he died on the cross, he ripped the veil that kept us from going before the Father. The Father sits on the throne. It is the Father. Jesus said, I'm the door. You can't get to the Father but by me. But you got to go through the door and get where the power lies and cry out boldly, my Father in heaven. Because I'm going to tell you something. Our dad can whip their dad. Amen. Amen. We go boldly with confidence. Well, who do you think you are to pray for a new job? Who do you think you are to pray for a house? Who do you think you are to pray for healing? I'll tell you who I am. I am joint heirs with Christ Jesus because when he paid the price, he paid it in full. When Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded his spirit, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him, the Roman soldier, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They feared greatly saying, truly this was the son of God. 
The only thing I have problem with that is they said, and I don't know if he said it or we misquoted it, but they said, truly this was the Son of God. And I declare to you 2,000 years later, truly this is the Son of God, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? What a great God we serve. What a wonderful God we serve. Now, we're going to take communion in just a minute, but before we do, I want to hit on the three places, three other places that Jesus shed his blood very quickly. We talked about in the garden where he bought back our willpower. We talk about the crown of thorns where he broke the curse of poverty and lack. We talk about the whipping post that by his stripes we were healed. But as we see Jesus on the cross, we see him and it's something that, and this is why I brought that up about the nails. To have metal spikes during the time that Jesus was crucified, Rome crucified tens of thousands of Jews in that short period of time. Tens of thousands. Now, they can't go down to the hardware store and buy metal spikes. It's, it's, they're very difficult to get a hold of. As a matter of fact, there is only one sign in the Middle East, and it's a tomb that was discovered of a man by the name of Jonathan, Jonathan and they found one spike in, in his heel because the common way for a person to be crucified was not to be nailed. Nailing didn't do anything. Nailing was just an extra cruelty. The normal way to be crucified was to be tied because it wasn't the nails that killed you. It was the days and days of, of being on the cross. And they actually put a little um, uh, wood block under his, the, the, those who were being crucified so they could hold themselves up because they wanted the world, Rome wanted the world to see these people being punished. They, they lined the roads for, for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. They lined them with Jews that they thought were rebellious against the Roman Empire, and they wanted them up there for days. But if you read, if, as we read the scripture, Jesus was only up there three hours. And so come the Sabbath, they wanted them down because the teaching was amongst the Jews, if someone is on a tree, they're cursed. If they're nailed to a cross, they're cursed. And if they're still there, when the sun sets, whatever curse is on them comes on the people of that area. And so when they nailed Jesus to the cross, his hands and his feet, it was very unusual. But yet God was accomplishing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. If you're just hanging there, there's no blood. But when you're nailed to the cross, out of your hands come blood. Why? Because Jesus said, wherever you go, and in their feet, wherever you go, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the nails in your hand gives you authority. Lay hands on the sick, they sure shall recover. In my name, you shall cast out devils. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had dominion and authority. But they surrendered that when they bowed down to Satan's will. When Jesus' hands were nailed to that cross, he gives you in your hands 
anointing and power. That's why he says, lay hands on no man suddenly. Because when you lay hands on somebody, you know, uh, when you lay hands on somebody, you're releasing every one of you, not just the pastor or the rabbi, you're releasing an anointing. You're releasing the power of God. When they nailed his feet, every place you put the sole of your feet, God gives it to you for an inheritance. Now, I, I say this and we kind of laugh about it, but when we realize that when you go to work, when the blood of Jesus is on you and you understand the blood, when you go to work, you're taking the kingdom of God with you. When you go to school, you're taking the kingdom of God with you. Wherever you go, Jesus said, I'm going with you and I've given you authority and I've given you dominion. As my father sent me, I'm sending you. No, we got to hear that. We've, we've got to get the authority back. We need to bind the devil that's trying to take our country. We need to bind the devil that's trying to take our children. We need to bind the devil that people get elected in, in political positions because they're pro-abortion. We need to rise up as an army of God all over this country and say, devil, I bind you. And the devil says, well, who do you think you are? And you tell them, I am a blood-bought child of the living God. And wherever I go, Jesus is going with me. And I'm telling you, the devil cannot trespass on blood-bought property. Can I have an amen? When they nailed his hands, you know, I was reading this and, 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 and I pulled it up on the computer and it says, and they nailed the thieves. And I go, they didn't nail the thieves. They didn't nail the thieves. And I realized it was man's interpretation. But when Jesus rose again, they said, are, are you really him? Have you defeated the devil? And he showed them the nail print hands. And those hands, when we meet Jesus... And he puts his arms around us as we, as we enter into the kingdom of heaven. We're going to see those nail-printed hands. We're going to see the holes in his, in his ankles, in his feet, where they nailed him. But we need to not wait until then. We need to understand that Jesus, when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed one of Christ. Jesus said, on this, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not win anymore. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth is loosed in heaven. So many times we pray, and I, and I I hope you don't misunderstand this. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. And Jesus says with a loud voice, it's already done. It's already done. Whatever you forbid on earth, I will forbid in heaven. And we need to rise up and say, we forbid this doctrine of killing babies. We forbid this pornography in our schools. We forbid this in the name of the kingdom of God and not back down because I declare no matter who we are greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world somebody ought to give the lord a clap offering and shout amen we are not god's little boys and girls we're not god's little children oh lord we're to come boldly you know, I tell this story all the time in, 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 in an illustration. You know, when my grand sugars were little, the boys in Viva was little, you know, I'd be in there. Didn't matter who, who was in my office, didn't matter. They'd come, they'd come back in and say, hey, Saba. They just come in. 
because to whoever's in my office, I might be pastor, but to them, I'm, I'm grandpa. And that's the way God wants us. We need to come boldly before the throne of God. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, I need this. And I give you praise and glory because you've already done it. Does that make sense to you? Boy, I'm telling you, the devil does not want us to know our authority. We have authority and we have dominion through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be the first to say, in our own authority, and our own power, we don't have the, uh, uh, the power to blow fuzz off a peach. But in the name of Jesus. In my name, you shall. Now, that doesn't mean we always have in Jesus' name. That just becomes our habit. But it means when we, when we lay hands on the sick, we're doing this with the authority of Jesus. When we bind the devil, we're doing this with the authority of Jesus. When we lay hands on the sick, we're doing this with the authority of Jesus. As my father sent me, was there anything that Jesus couldn't do? Nothing. They needed taxes. He sent Peter fishing. Right? Go down. Lord, we we need tax money. Go catch a fish. Can you imagine Peter? And I I, I love talking. Say, you know, Peter. What are you fishing for? Tax money. What are you using for bait? Holy Spirit. Those things are in there to tell us that there's nothing that God can't do. But he's waiting for us to do it. Now, the difference is we need to give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen? So he bled in his hands, he bled in his feet. The third place he bled was in his side. And this may be one of the most important. When they looked at Jesus, it's it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Sabbath is getting ready to happen. So they go to the first thief and they break his legs so he can't hold himself up. And the weight of his own body caused him to suffocate. It collapsed his lungs. They went to the second thief, broke his legs. But the prophecy was since the Passover lamb, no bone in Jesus' body would be broken. Right? So they get to Jesus and they look at him and it seems like he's already dead. But this doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't take three hours to die. It takes days to die. That's the purpose. So they're looking at him, and to see if he's just passed out or whatever, by inspiration of the prophecy of God, the Roman soldier takes a spear and shoves it in Jesus' side, and out of that wound comes blood and water. Around every heart is a sack of water. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't understand the purpose of it, but when out of that wound came blood and and water it's a great great sign from god that jesus didn't die from the hands of man he died from the broken heart of the wages of our sin but satan forgot the prophecy he said i've come to heal the brokenhearted 
Remember when Jesus said, I've come to make you every way whole. Not just limping through life, but I've come to make you every way whole. In every way. And there may be people here tonight are watching, and you say, you know what? Something happened in my life that broke my heart, broke my spirit. And God says, let me apply the blood of my son to that. This is not the best illustration, but I came into church a drug addict, a drug dealer. God didn't make me that way. God didn't do that to me. But what Satan meant for evil, there's not a, there's not a person here, that whether you ha- have somebody you love that's on drugs or or you yourself have gone th- are, are on drugs and you need to be set free. There's not a person here that I can't say, I know God will set you free. Amen. I know God can do it. Well, how do you know? Amen. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Amen. Right? And I declare what Satan meant for evil on your life, God will reverse that curse and use it for good. Now, these are terrible illustrations, but it's where we live. Let's say some guy you were married to left you, burned you. God's got a better life for you. I don't know how that will come. I don't know if you'll marry a better man with more money and you can drive past your ex's house and and, and that 20-year-old he left you for in your new Mercedes-Benz. I don't know how that will happen. And wave at him out the window. But what Satan meant for evil, God will use it for good. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to heal those who have gone through a lot of stuff. And you know what? When God heals a break, it's stronger than it was in the beginning. And so I declare to you that when out of that heart came blood and water, that water is a symbol of the spirit of God. Remember, the water is the symbol of the knowledge of God and the blessing of God. And that blood mixed with that is saying, you know what? You may have gone through something, but I promise you, your best is yet to come. You know, I love to tell people, and I say this, I've said this a million times in all the years in ministry, if all Jesus did was die on the cross so that we can make heaven our home. We couldn't thank him enough. We couldn't worship him enough. We couldn't praise him enough. If all he did was die on the cross, you know, uh, two Sundays from now, I'm going to be in Poland. By the way, Tiz is going to teach. Tiz Tiz will be back Sunday. She'll be back Sunday. And I'm going to do a series on how do we answer some of these things that 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 are coming against us, and even preachers are preaching. What if, when I gave my life to Jesus, I had seven federal warrants for my arrest. I was a drug addict. I was mainlining. What if they said, you know, you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Okay, I receive him as my Lord and Savior. But then they said, now just go live any way you want. That's what's being preached in the church. I saw a guy, on, a pastor on Fox today that's been saying this. Don't, don't let anybody tell you you can't fornicate, you can't sleep around, you can't do drugs, you can't be a homosexual, you can't be a lesbian. Well, I'm going to show you in this series where God says, do we have to go over the elementary teachings of Christianity again? 
do we have to go over these elementary things? But what if they just said to me, you know what? God just loves you. He loves you as you are. And, and I believe that. He loved, He didn't say, tell me, go get cleaned up. I walked in the church, no shoes on, no shirt on, poncho, hair down to here, walked in the church and got saved. But after that, they said, you know what? Now you need to follow the word of God. Had they, had they just, you know, and, and I'm going to teach them this, but let me just throw this out because I'm going to hammer this home because I'm so upset about these false teachers in the kingdom of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? Isn't that what it says? You know what the word, you know what the word sin is in Hebrew? It means the path. And this was given when Jews were nomads. And they would, they would have to follow the path. This is why the Bible says, the Lord says, I'll lead you beside still waters. I'll lead you into green pastures. When they were nomads in the desert, they had to go from one living water to the next living water. They had to follow the path. If they got off the path, they would die. Their herds would die. So, duh, stay on the path. Right? If they would have told me, you don't have to follow the word of God. You're saved. God is just loving you the way he is. And he did. He didn't. I came in, needle marks up and down my arms. I came in, and God didn't say, now go get cleaned up and then come back. He took me as I was. But thank God the church says, now you need to follow the word of God because he's come to give you life and life more abundant. So when you think about if I get off the path, I'm going to die. Well, it's not just talking about eternity. Had I stayed on drugs... The marriage that God had for me would have died. The family that God would have had for me would have died. I would have been believing in Jesus, but as a drug addict, I'd have, been, I'd have died, or I'd have been in prison, or something. And I would have, the, the destiny, the life of abundance that God had for me would have died. So it wasn't just receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The reason why Jesus walked the Via Della Rosa, the reason why he walked the road of suffering and shed his blood seven times because I'm not just going to get you into heaven, but I'm going to get you on that path. And if you follow the path, and you know what? If you get off the path, get back on the path. Get back on. You know, we were talking this, Nancy and I were talking, the guys in the back, and when we lived in Oregon, we'd hear all the time, where's Nancy, all the time, they found a body in the, in the mountains. They found a body in the woods. There's a reason why in the mountains they have on the path signs that say, don't get off the path. Because they get lost. They think they're going to take a shortcut. And that's what the devil says. You know what? I know there's living water. I know there's green pasture. But I've got a shortcut for you. And God says there is no shortcut. Stay on the path because I've come to give you life and that life more abundant. Isn't that amazing? So it would have been a lack of love. It would have been a lack of godly love if they hadn't told me the truth. If they hadn't told me, 
If you stay on the path, and that's, without getting into this too much, that's what the word law in Hebrew means. When we use the word law in, in Greek, it means legalism. Well, the, the only law you have is love one another. No, no. The word law in Hebrew means the path to all God's goodness. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? And don't do what I say. I could have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, been a drug addict, and died a drug addict. But instead, I decided his way is above my way, and his way is the best way. Amen? So do you have your communion trays? Does anybody not have one? They're only $18.95. Okay, raise your hand up if you don't have one. We'll make sure you get one. Raise your hand. We'll take, we'll take a moment. We want everybody to have this. Now, we talked last week. Last week was Shabbat Hagadul, the great Sabbath. And we did the, we did the Passover Seder and showed Jesus in the Passover. But tonight, we're just going to do it uh, uh, real simple. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He said, this is my blood which was shed for you, as often as you take this, tell the story. Tell the story. But then he says something very important. He said, before you take this, wait and check your heart and ask yourself, am I right with God? And he says something that we don't hear much in the church. We talk about it all the time, but you don't hear much in church. He said, because if you take this, just as a rich ritual, if you just do a ritual, he said, that's the reason why many are sick and weak and dying amongst you. Now, what God is saying is when you do this and you tell the story of his body and his blood, you're connecting with the supernatural power in which his body and his blood was shed for us. In the garden, he bought back our willpower. I don't have to be a drug addict. The Lord has set me free. They told my mom and dad, your son's a junkie. Once a junkie, always a junkie. That's what the world says. But the word says who the son sets free is free indeed. Amen. So I'm not just going through a ritual. I'm stopping and waiting and saying, you know what? I need to make sure my life is right with God so that I can receive the benefits of everything Jesus did. So I like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And we're going to tarry just for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to get up. But if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Larry, on this Good Friday, when we remember the ultimate sacrifice that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And the reason why we take time and we talk about this is my body which was broken, which means in Hebrew, it's, it's been peeled back so that every curse that's blocking God's blessing is removed and his blood was shed so that everything jesus paid for could be released into your life it's more than just being religious it's walking in the power and the blessing of almighty god so as every head is bowed every eyes closed and no one's looking around just for a moment and you'd say pastor larry i need to i'm checking my life and i need to give my life to the lord or i need to rededicate my life to the lord or You know what? Maybe there's something in your life you need to repent of. When Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And I tell you, what I see in the news and what I see happening in the Bible, of Bible prophecy every day, I'm telling you, his first coming may have been 2,000 years ago, but his second coming is really close. Repent. We don't hear that much anymore. Repent means you're going one way that you know is wrong, and you turn around, you go the other way. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and no one's looking around, you'd say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want to rededicate my life or dedicate my life to Jesus. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And those that are watching around the world, I can't see you, but I guarantee you, God Almighty sees you. You're here and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I want you to slip your hand up all over the building and just hold it there. Just hold it there for a moment. You know, you think about lifting up your hands. Jesus lift up two. That's how much he loved you. God sees that hand, 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 that you know God sees every hand. God sees every hand. Give give the Lord a clap offering for his love, would you please? Now Let's pray this prayer, everyone together. Let's, let's pray it together. We're going to be done. We're going to be finished in five minutes. Can you stand for five minutes? I've been standing for 45, and I got a bad knee. And I want to do this. I want to do this because I, I, look around you. Look around you. There's male. There's female. There's young. There's old. There's white. There's black. There's brown. There's, uh, we have any Asian? Any Asian in here? any Asian, any Native Americans. We got all kinds of people. And we're the family of God. We're the body of Christ jointly fit together. So I know you have something in your hand, but take your neighbor's hand the best you can. And let's all pray this together. And we're praying this for one another. You, you know, when, when, when we, went the, we went the other night to the Jesus Revolution movie. Has it, have have you all seen it? We're, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. And they're going to allow us to show it in the church. But we took about 150 people. That's what I got saved in. That's exactly what I got saved in. And, and even some of the people go, look, pastor, he came up. He had no shoes on, just like you. That's what, I mean, that is tis in my, uh, my story. And I believe he's getting ready to do it again. I really do. I really do. God's getting ready to do it again. And the, the neat thing of it is, is God doesn't care where we come from. God doesn't care if you were raised in a church or raised in a, a prison cell or raised in the ghetto or raised in the, in the penthouse. God doesn't care because there's none righteous, no, not one. Amen? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. We've all gotten off the path. We've all gotten off the path. But tonight we're going to get on the path and we're heading towards living water. So say this out loud together. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to add one thing I saw in the movie. And my friend. Jesus is your friend. Isn't that awesome? And my friend. Now say this with authority because you have dominion. Say, Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my body. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my country. Get out of my city. 
get out of my safe, get out of my family, my finances, and my future. I declare in the name, by his blood, every curse is broken and every blessing is released. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now somebody shout. Don't clap because you'll spill juice all over the place. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Man, I'm telling you. Now, the first thing Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. And today we have, do we have matzah for them, Nance? This is matzah. Every Jew takes matzah on Passover since the time of Moses till now. I want you to notice that every matzah has no leaven because Jesus is the unblemished, unblemished, unleavened, unblemished lamb of God. But every matzah is striped and every matzah is pierced which symbolizes by his stripes we were healed and the piercing on the cross. He said, this is my body, which is broken. I break that. And what we're saying is devil, we are breaking your hold on every one of our lives. No matter if it's a divorce or poverty or failure or drug addiction or anger or alcoholism or, or, or homosexuality or adultery or abortion, whatever it is, Jesus hung on the cross because the Bible says, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Jesus did not just take my sin. He broke every family curse, every generational curse, every curse I invented. He broke it. So, and who the sun sets free is you. Say this out loud. Who the sun sets free is me. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. So we take this, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, let me just share something real quick. What that prayer is, what that prayer is, blessed is he, Lord God, King of the universe, who blesses us with our commandments and commands us concerning the bread that comes from the ground or from the earth. In other words, bread the the provision of our, when you break the curse the provision of god and the blessing of god comes naturally to you it's not something we have to struggle with it's something that god's good pleasure to bring this into your life amen so let's take it together i'm just going to take a small piece so i don't spit matzo all over the front row we learned in Passover that there were not, there's not one cup as we do in the Lord's Supper. There were four cups. These four cups represent every blessing in the Bible. They represent the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. And so we'll take our cup and we say the blessing. If you know it in Hebrew, say it with me. Baruch The grape juice are the wine represents the covenant promises of God. We miss this so many times is that when we receive Christ as our savior, Abraham becomes our father. And the promises of Abraham that Abraham gave to all the children of God, now we are grafted into them And it's time for God to bring the fruit of those promises in every area into our lives. So the wine represents the covenant promises and the wine also, the grape juice represents the joy. 
Now, in Passover, you have four goblets. You fill them to the top, and every time you drink, you drink the whole thing down. So by the end, no matter who you are, you're feeling joy. <laughs> oh, don't look at me like that. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, oh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, before we take this and you start experiencing this whole next year, great joy, I'm going to have to warn you. I've been in plenty and I've been in want. Plenty's a whole lot more joyous. Oh, come on. I need, you know what? You know what? Do you know what amen means? It means so be it. Plenty is a lot more fun than want. Health is a lot more fun than sickness. A good home, a happy home, is a lot more fun than a fighting home. So when we take this, we are claiming the covenant promises, covenant, blood covenant, blood covenant. He can't, Jesus would never go back on that. But it's also the symbol in that covenant is great joy. Somebody's going to be happy. I'm going over to the Presbyterian. Somebody's going to be happy. Might as well be us, huh? So I'm going to release, when we drink this, I'm releasing the spirit of every promise and the spirit of great joy. You know, Passover is a new beginning. Passover is the beginning of a, of a year. And so I'm going to believe that you're going to... You, you know, the Bible says that he will, he will run you down with his blessing. How many are ready to, to get up every morning instead of running after the blessing? You, I grabbed you. Tis run. Run. What is it? It's the blessing I can't take anymore. I can't handle any more joy. Man, I'm telling you what. When the world sees how happy and blessed we are serving God, they're going to want to know what it is you have. And I'm telling the world, what we have is contagious. Let's tell the world about it. Amen. Did I already say the blessing? Lakaim to life. And that, my friend, is Passover, is Good Friday, and Shabbat all rolled up in one. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Now, let me make a couple announcements before we go. Next Wednesday, we are doing, Pastor Troy is, is leading this. I'm going to be here next Wednesday. We are doing a thing called biblical citizenship. Okay? Don't vote Republican. Don't vote Democrat. Don't, let, me, let me put it this way. Don't vote donkey. Don't vote elephant. Vote the Lamb of God vote the Lamb of God. Let's vote biblical. And so we're doing, uh, Pastor Troy is leading this, and next Wednesday we have um, Con Congressman Louis Gomer, and who's a congressman of, of, uh, of uh, Texas. He's a good friend, good friend of the kingdom of God, good friend of Israel, and he's going to be here, and we're going to be in this main sanctuary. So next Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, I really want to encourage you to come and bring somebody as we look at some of the things. I, I love what, what one person said on the news today, and this is a Democrat. He said, there is no more Democratic Party. There's the way left of woke. And even this guy as a Democrat, 
Democratic uh, um, uh, representative, he said, we got to come back. We got to come back. And you know what that means? Let's get on the path as a nation because we are in one nation under God, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. And then this Sunday, we're going to have a dramatic presentation of the last day of Jesus into the time of his resurrection. So if you know somebody that needs the Lord, bring them, invite them, encourage them. And I guarantee you that the love of God will touch their hearts because Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He got up. He got up. And that's the difference. He got up. Father, bless us as we go. Father, I thank you for bringing these wonderful, wonderful people here tonight to celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Bless us all here. Bless everyone that's watching around the world by stream. And Father, for what you've done and what you're going to do, we give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of our resurrected Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is our Messiah. Give the Lord a clap offering one more time. Love somebody before you go. Amen.